CIO Talk Radio is brought to you by LexisNexis Litigation Solutions. Welcome to CIO Talk Radio with your host, Sunjog All. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sunjog All. Good morning and welcome to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. And while you're at your computer, like us on Facebook, search for CIO Talk Radio, and make sure to join our conversation on Twitter, hashtag CTR Live, and at CTR, CIO Talk Radio, and look for this show using hashtag leadership. Today's topic is what New Year resolutions should a CIO make? And our guest for today's show is Ralph Laura, who is the Chief Information Officer with Clorox. Good morning, Ralph. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Oh, could not be better in 2013. Very, very positive vibes. Yes, something is happening in Washington. That doesn't affect most of us. We are trying to make our lives better, more effective, more prosperous, more peaceful. How about you? Uh, you know, sounds like a plan. <laughs> All right, good, good. So when we talk about uh, New Year, of course, comes the topic of resolutions, and we make resolutions in our personal lives quite a few. Some we keep, others just fizzle out, fall through the cracks. What do you think uh, is happening in the world of uh IT and business where, while we know that we might have relaxed during the holidays, when it comes to really coming back to work, what's going on in your mind? What do you think new, better, different that you think should be done this year in order for us to get to the next level? Well, it's interesting. So, you know, you think of resolutions. What are the typical uh, New Year's resolutions? You know, you're going to exercise more, you know, diet, eat well, be healthy, you know, make better choices, uh, be in better, have life in better balance. And I think all the same apply for IT, right? So we can talk a bit about new value generators and kind of like think the trends, but it's got to begin with, you know, you got to you got to eat well. You got to you got to do your exercise. You've got to be in financially fit as an IT organization. You've got to be efficient in the way you deliver. You've got to be, you know, first and foremost, we're a business like any other business. We're a function uh, that's got to be run efficiently. And so you got to do your homework on financial management on transparency of cost to the business on ensuring that you're most you're getting and managing projects in the most effective way that you're prioritizing projects they're aligned to business priorities in the most effective way and so on but to me the real um, the real opportunity in 2013 is continuing this uh, this journey many of us have been on toward a more effective approach of technology business management and establishing uh, not the IT alignment to the business, but in fact, IT uh, partnering with the business on uh, generating plans on developing and delivering uh, value uh, as a partner and uh, not as a service organization, if you will. Now, let's draw a parallel to our personal lives. Well, of course, we talk about resolution, but look at our health. What we many times do, we take on a lot of calories, but very, very few nutritional elements in it. And that's where the real today's life has become. Is that in some form or fashion also impacting or percolating into the business life where we are taking too much resources and then the nutritional value where basically the innovation or or adding value to business aspect of it is minimal and thus 
IT may not earn the bad, uh, the right type of seat at the table and a right type of influence. So, so whatever we are trying to see and do in 2013 with respect to our personal lives that we will only take calories which bring us nutritional value too. Are we only also, are we also looking at resources that we will only consume or request to consume, which will bring IT closer to the business? Is that, yeah. is that something which we are doing or is it something that is, is still work in progress? Oh, it's, it's, uh, well, I mean, everything is a work in progress of some sorts, but, but yeah, fundamentally that is, that's what it's all about, right? Is for too long, IT is kind of, if you will, hidden behind the, um, you know, this, this idea that, um, well, we've got to, you know, we've got to do X for compliance reasons. We've got to do a, a release upgrade because, you know, the vendor released it and it's time, whatever that means. That we're on some sort of, sort of schedule that has, of things that have to be done. And I think, um, one of the things we need to begin doing is questioning the, have to be done, and understanding what when, what activity um, that we're spending in that space and how that activity connects to value. So, for instance, uh, we've talked at Polox a lot. We're about 18 months into our journey in what we call the science of run. So <clears throat> what traditionally has been looked at as kind of the, the boring back office of IT, if you will, the people that do, you know, the operations, the, you know, that kind of execution and, and um, support of the running live environment, in fact, most IT organizations have substantially outsourced that activity as context, in uh, Jeffrey Moore's words, um, long ago. Uh, we've got to take another look at that. And one of the things, one of the ways you look at that is by understanding uh, where value comes from those activities. And so for us, the science of run means not um, blindly adhering to a set of SLAs that are technology stack-based. Uh, boy, I've got to get, you know, five nines in my network, or I've got to get you know, four and a half nines on my ERP availability. Because at the end of the day, the business really doesn't care about ERP availability. What they care about is what's my case flow rate? Did I ship on time? Can I fulfill my orders? Right? So, for instance, in our business, um, Kingsford is one of our, our uh, core brands, uh, a fantastic brand in uh, charcoal grilling, um, household, you know, kind of household name, 70-plus uh, share penetration, fantastic brand, the challenge we have is it's seasonal, right, with what I'm sure all the listeners could pretty quickly tag, what are the key uh, weekends that are busy in the charcoal grilling season, right? Memorial Day, Fourth of July, Labor Day, and so on. And so for me, if I achieve five nines of availability in my supply chain planning environment, but I happen to take downtime the, the long weekend of Fourth of July, which in some businesses may make sense, um, it would be disastrous to the charcoal business. So you, you've got to look at less about percentages and SLAs and uptime and technology, and more about end-to-end -end business process, end-to-end -end business outcome. I think all of our, our uh, run processes are being realigned against business outcomes, and we're measuring the run function the same way the business measures itself on things like case fill rate, uh, uh, ship. Um, uh, you know, shipping on time and, and order fill. Now, you know, and I know hindsight is twenty twenty. So when we look at any of the learnings that we've had in the year before or last year, 
there has to be a time when we really inventory it, take a closer look and see how much of a damage and or uh, growth that we were able to bring about leveraging those strategies, tactics, or, or new initiatives that we had put forth. What is it that you're bringing forward and how? Because there is always a lot of things that get done. Some of them are not always measured. And what you don't measure, you cannot improve upon. So what is the way an organization and then in on your hot seat, do you kind of use the hindsight of 2020 and bring that to the next, uh, to this year, for example? Yeah. Well, so one of the, the, um, the kind of values of hindsight is that we were at one time attempting to be too good at too many things at once. So the opposite of, uh, you know, kind of the, the inspect what you expect mantra is uh, if you inspect everything, then you're not going to have the bandwidth and time to improve anything. So we were gathering too much data, measuring too many things that weren't meaningful. And if, the whole, if you say, go, go follow these 55 metrics, the organization just spends all its time shaping the metric, uh, measuring, and, and there's no, not enough time to focus on the things that are differentiating. And, and really what our job as leaders are is about creating focus. Uh, it's, it's, as most people would say, you know, leadership is not about what to do, it's about what not to do. And it's helping the organization understand where to focus. And so I'd rather be uh, have my organization good at a, you know, excellent at a few things and good enough at all the rest. And it's helping them understand where the excellent lies and where they're allowed to be good enough. So, for instance, um, you know, I don't want to be – I'm not going to be differentiating uh, as an IT function supporting the Clorox business set um, by having the best, you know, printer availability in the business, right? If uh, – if, if a printer's down for 24 hours uh, and people have to walk to the end of the hall, it's an inconvenience. So I'm not going to spend a whole bunch of time and energy chasing a metric about availability of a service that is essentially a commodity that can be, you know, with some inconvenience replaced. On the other hand, if, you know, order capture or demand planning um, systems, they drive the business. They drive profitability. They drive uh, things like, like whether or not we get paid uh, and if we get paid on time for good order availability, whether we get paid you know, full price or whether they're penalizing us for some sort of failure, those sort of things are really meaningful to the business. They affect top line. They affect margin. And I'd much rather have my organization focus on the five or six you know, key measures that drive growth or drive value creation versus the 58 items that uh, are on somebody's punch list but don't really connect to value. Now, you mentioned about a printer not working and other type of services which may not be critical, or perhaps there may be other services which are critical and you focus on that. But given the maturity or the expectation is that if the maturity already is existing in an organization such as yours or any other organization comparable to yours, and if they are spending way too much time in keeping the service up and running, then there's a problem right there. What about saying 80-20 rule where 80% of your time is actually spent in figuring out what can I do to grow the business versus just try to keep the services up and running? Uh, you know, it seems it, it, it's easier said than done. So that's, that makes a lot of sense, except um, for the cases where, you know, a particular ind- individual is spending more time in the run side than the, than the build or grow side of, uh, of activity. So uh, those kind of, um, to be honest, I'm a little, I'm a little skeptical of those sort of, um, those sort of, Simple mantras uh, that are supposed to help people 
you know, kind of plan their day and determine what to do. I think uh, what's more valuable is connecting directly, you know, the activity people are doing to business outcome. And so we spend a lot of time, in fact, the majority of our leadership and management planning time is understanding how the business is measuring itself and how we're driving the balance sheet um, of uh, BU or the company as a whole, and then ensuring IT activity aligns against those strategic initiatives or against you know, those lines on the balance sheet we're attempting to move. So the, the goal is connecting activity to value, and then people, once they see the connection, can make the right choice about where they're spending their time versus giving them just some sort of arbitrary you know, percentage. Now, with that said, if you look at whatever the the hypes that you, we already spoke about that surround us, uh, while we, we want to do something about it, but we are healthily skeptical and say, let's not follow too much of this hype cycle. Instead, look at what's near and dear to us and what is keeping our business uh, going at a steady state. However, don't you think that if we were to keep doing the same old, same old and turn into a bean counter versus an investor, then we are leaving a lot of money which could be created as a result of that on the table? Oh, certainly. So, so our view around hype is, um, you know, where there's smoke, there occasionally is fire, right? So if there's a lot of hype around big data or around mobile or around cloud, um, our you know, we certainly aren't blindly running toward those, uh, you know, those new trends uh, because, um, you know, they're, they're being talked about in the press. But it is an indicator for us that there might be worth going, look, going to look there and form an informed opinion. So we'll spend a decent amount of time in discovery. So we have a, um, a kind of sensing uh, role within the organization shared by a broad number of people and their role is to sort of look at trends in the marketplace, understand what's, what's happening. And um, we spent a decent amount of time externally trying to, you know, talk to peer, peer CIOs, talk to, you know, peer IT leaders on what they're seeing, what they're doing. Um, we have the advantage of being based on the north end of the Silicon Valley area. And so we have uh, healthy relationships with a number of VC firms. And we connect with their uh, founders and startup leaders on a regular basis to understand what they're building, why they're building it, what they're seeing in terms of reception, so that we can stay on the on the front end, if you will, of innovation and change, but but do so by having an informed opinion and not simply uh, kind of chasing uh, chasing a cloud. Now, let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And when we come back, uh, Ralph, one of the things we should look at is uh, – while we want to innovate, and as you mentioned, we got to also remain realistic, what is it that you are measured by? The more wow factor that you introduce into the business and IT versus keeping your systems and services up at all times or whenever it is at least critical or basically creating or reducing time to value and things which would make a strategic difference to the business. And yes, an easy answer can be all of the above. However, let's look at each of those and see where all the impact should be made and how a CIO should think going forward. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
Take control of e-discovery with flexible integrated solutions designed for early data assessment, processing, document review, and litigation presentation. LexisNexis offers comprehensive solutions that work together as well as with other industry-leading tools to help you maintain a seamless chain of custody throughout discovery. Most of these solutions can be offered in a hosted environment with access to fully customizable support resources dedicated to your success. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sunjog All. Welcome back. So, Ralph, time to value or... Uh, bringing new things to marketer and 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 leading and driving change is that just sex appeal with respect to what the role that you have or is it something the directive that you would feel management is and should have for a CIO in order for us to all move ahead and charge ahead in a positive direction? Yeah, abs- absolutely a directive. So if if all you're doing is keeping the lights on. And uh, you know, kind of chasing behind the business and sweeping up after them, then uh, then you're really under delivering on the potential of IT in today's world, right? So, in fact, we've toyed with you know, IT is uh, um, you know a term we've all gotten used to, and the, the, the term CIO, for instance, has been often debated. What what does the I mean, and so on? But uh, we've even been trying to find a new language, right? So it's uh, the best we've struggled, we've come up with so far is it's about technology business management. Right? We're not in the the bits and bytes business. We're in the business of applying technology to solve problems uh, in the real world. And so, yeah, absolutely, we've got to, you know the mail servers have to stay up and the network's got to run and um, you know all the elements that are endemic to any business. Uh, you know, if I'm if I'm running product supply and I'm doing uh, you know that job. Of course, the product has to flow. I've got to be efficient in my delivery and so on. Now, that's table stakes. Uh, in addition to that, I've got to be looking at uh, how do I green out or lean out my supply chain? How do I ensure uh, robust uh, you know, uh, supply chain networks and so on? And the same is true for IT. I've got a core responsibility to deliver an efficient and effective, reliable uh, service, and service delivery is a core piece of my mission. But at the end of the day... The, the true purpose of IT isn't uh, to simply, uh, you know, keep the lights on. The true purpose of IT in today's world, and I, and I would argue in every business in today's world, is to generate value, is to work with the business, to find opportunities to improve the business execution, uh, business growth, uh, business uh, profit creation through the applied use of technology. Now, Steve Jobs, of course, in his own uh, role, uh, always used to evangelize, stay hungry, stay foolish. Do you Mm -hmm. think that's something that a CIO can realistically do and deliver those unprecedented innovation and value creation? Yeah, it's a little harder to to do the stay foolish part as a CIO, right? We we have 
responsibilities to shareholders and the SEC and others. Um, but certainly the stay hungry part is, is true and has to remain true uh, always. Um, at the end of the day, the, you know, the foolish part has to be balanced, right? And that's, um, you've got to take some risk. You've got to be willing to put your neck out to accomplish real change and real evolution of the business and of the function. Um, but, but at the core, you know, you've got to be, you've got to be hungry. You've got to be constantly striving. Uh, you've got to, as, as uh, has been said, you've got to earn your job every day. Uh, you can't rest on uh, accomplishments of the past. Now, you definitely uh, advocated that we should not simply take a leap of faith. Uh, we should definitely look at how we can potentially measure something. Now comes the point where some people have attempted to very precisely measure whatever investments they make, how is the shareholder value getting impacted. And, and they have not exactly miserably failed, but kind of come close to it because they say there is no direct correlation they can always make. With that said, do you think there is going to be a persistent effort on behalf of CIOs or on part of the CIOs to actually have a crusade and have a precise value measurement for any investments they are going to make? And, or, or, and also, is this something which has been required of them, or is it something that they would think that they should take upon themselves? Uh, so I think most, most IT leaders are being questioned and asked on what their track record is of delivering value, right? So if I'm going to invest, you know, 10 million, say, in a project portfolio, then I'm going to expect some rate of return on that investment. I'm not expecting that that's just money I've given to IT to use as they wish and deliver systems as they wish, but that, that I'm going to get a return on that asset invested as a business. So in, this, in the same way, I think IT leaders need to look at the portfolio of IT projects in, in the way many of us look at our retirement portfolio. You, you don't only invest in uh, in, in equities that have a guaranteed rate of return that I can predict uh, uh, and, uh, and count on, you, you have some of those, but you also have a, a set of things where they're slightly more risky, where you're taking, um, you're in the open market and you're, you're, um, you're taking risk both up and down, but, uh, but in doing so, you have potential to have great growth and potential to have some loss. And so it's managing that portfolio uh, with the right level of risk to support the kind of business you're in. So if you're in a, a uh, fast-growing tech business that's, um, you know, used to cycles of up and down and is very, uh, in very dramatic swings, you may take a more, um, more aggressive portfolio stance in terms of IT investments, investing more heavily in cloud and big data earlier than others and social media and so on. If you're a, you know, conservative 100-year-old manufacturing company, uh, you may have a slightly different portfolio or a different posture in terms of how you invest. But, but nonetheless, it's foolish to think we're only going to put money on uh, projects that have a entirely predictable, you know, kind of uh, risk-free approach to, to investing. Now, how is the business truly uh, looking at you? Would you rather be seen as a coach who shows them new ways to build capabilities and time to value? Or is it someone when, of course, you know, we talk about seat at the table, totally understand that you might get seat at the table. But even when you are sitting at the table and you got other people, how is IT and the IT leader is being looked at and how, it sh and, and how that leader should be looked at as a coach or as someone who's going to enable whatever strategies that are uh, created in that closed room? Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, for a long time, people have talked about a seat at the table. Uh, unfortunately, um, the first pass at that for most IT leaders was uh, you were invited to come to the planning session uh, in case they had a problem with the projector. Uh, so, so they knew you, your role, right? Your role was when a technology issue came up, they would turn to you and ask for your, you know, two minutes of input, and then they'd move on to the rest of the meeting. Uh, so you were there, you were present, uh, but you weren't really looked at as a contributor, as a peer, as uh, having much to offer, frankly. And I think two things have conspired to change that. One, there are a set of leaders um, and uh, many peers of mine uh, who I'm very impressed with, who I think bring a uh, set of experience with them to the role uh, that understand how the business works, understand how their their companies operate and are connected and capable in, in delivering you know, uh, is, is sort of giving and taking and, and, and kind of sparring over strategy uh, as well as anyone else at the table. So some of this is just a, a crop of leaders who didn't grow up out of the data center purely um, but have had uh, a turn or two through the business and have more to offer. And I think the second is the businesses have moved toward technology, right? So many traditional businesses have been disrupted by technology, you know, the, the book business, the music business, uh, and so on. Uh, and, and many traditional manufacturing businesses have been disrupted by uh, technology or are being disrupted uh, by consumer technologies today. And so um, more and more the business is turning to IT for insight on uh, where the future of mobile is going, how uh, you know, social media works, uh, what data can be mined and how, from what sources, and what the most efficient way to do that is. So, so IT um, both business leaders or IT leaders became more business savvy, I think, over time. And secondly, businesses have become more IT, uh, you know, kind of centric or dependent over time. And it's, we're in a great place where many people have talked about the kind of renaissance, renaissance of the IT role or CIO role. I certainly feel that. I think uh, we, we're in an amazing time in the, in the profession to generate a substantial value and really play key roles in the, in the companies that we're part of. Now, uh, you definitely are uh, hobnobbing with the top executive management and also people who are executives in, in the value chain. At all times, they are looking up to you when it comes to technology and definitely with the things that you do in a given day with this uh, role as a CIO, whether it is setting up things or, or keep keeping things up and running or even bringing innovation, some infusion of learning has to happen. So where is that coming from? When do you get time to breathe, let alone learn from the outside, outside uh, you know, sources? Because if you're just applying what you learned in the last few years, you can only go so far and the value will, will come. But I think there is much more potential out there if you were to get direct infusion from multiple sources to learn and then bring that in to the organization and create value. Yeah, uh, it's a fantastic question. Um, and one we wrestle with every day you know, in the same way we've, we've struggled for 20 years on this concept of work-life balance, uh, many of us, um, we, we had the same, I think, struggle that's occurring now in businesses around, uh, call it directed and, and uh, you know, f- fundamental, uh, you know, activity toward our, our mission or our purpose. So the directed activity is pretty easy. It's what am I doing to create value and use what I know and, you know, what I've learned to help lead the organization in ways that connect and, and, and create value. 
but how do I find that next thing? How do I learn about the next technology that will disrupt, and how do I stay current enough to, to be a source of information and insight to the businesses I support? Um, you know, so, so, you know, Google's famous for its 20% time. You know, people are kind of allowed to go explore things, uh, you know, one day a week on their own, and, and many innovations have come out, come out of that through, uh, through their labs environment. Um, we certainly aren't at that kind of stage where I'm telling everyone to go take 20% of your time and explore, but we are working on a number of things um, to for IT to continue to be evergreen in its thinking and its process um, and so on. So, for instance, we, um, we spend uh, a decent amount of time in this sensing role I talked about, and probably over 25% of my organization has uh, some part of their their MRs for the year, their their management responsibilities for the year, um, assigned against this idea of sensing what's occurring in the market, you know, in their key area or in a key 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 um, kind of technology space. So, all of our jobs is continuing to view what's occurring, who's doing what, um, you know, and some of that comes from reading, you know, kind of blog posts. Some of it comes from social interaction with other, you know, members of the profession, other CIOs or other IT leaders. Either in our, in the business, you know, in, in CPG or in the geography of Silicon Valley, uh, and so on. So um, it's a constant struggle. There's never enough time in the day. And I know my organization personally has called me out occasionally that, you know, hey, you're spending a lot of time outside the four walls. We need more of you uh, inside the four walls. Uh, and then I'll go back and do a bit of a calendar check and go, you know what, you're right. I've uh, I've overcorrected on the sensing, and it's time to get, you know, back to work. Um, and then there's uh, other quarters where it goes the other way. It's like, yeah, I spent all my time inside, and it feels like uh, the world's moving by, and I and I need to go spend some time seeing what's happened. Now, what all you just mentioned seems like, of course, you are helping, uh, you know, have the baton in your hand and get other people to learn and grow. If I were to come back and say, when you face the mirror, do you see that you grew an inch taller? And if you did, then what did you do to accomplish that? And what should CIO should be doing today? to grow an inch dollar every day so that they bring more back to the organization. But you know what? Hold your thought or think about this question when we come back. Listeners, please stay tuned. We'll be right back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Take control of e-discovery with flexible, integrated solutions designed for early data assessment, processing, document review, and litigation presentation. LexisNexis offers comprehensive solutions that work together as well as with other industry-leading tools to help you maintain a seamless chain of custody throughout discovery. Most of these solutions can be offered in a hosted environment with access to fully customizable support resources dedicated to your success. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sunjog All. 
Welcome back. So, of course, in your last uh, response, Ralph, you did show that, yes, as a good leader, you are helping everybody come along and grow. But there's always uh, a lot of importance that we should be giving to how does the leader grow? And and where do you go for getting an inch taller so that you can bring more value? Yeah, so it's interesting. Um, there are two key places, I think, that I get the most value. First and foremost, um, I've got a fantastic set of folks who are on my team who challenge me every day, who I learn from every day, who, uh, who uh, you know, I think are, you know, the, the rapport back and forth, the everybody bringing new ideas to the table and then and having the willingness and openness and candor to to work through those has been fantastic. So that's one of the first sources of education and evolution is the people around you, and I've got some great people in my team around me. Secondly, um, so, so attending a number of events and sort of socializing, if you will, or interacting with other CIOs or other industry leaders um, on a panel or in a you know in a in a conference is meaningful and there's value that can be exchanged and generated there. Typically, what I, that's the discovery part of that phase, right? Hey, this person is doing something interesting. But seldom is there enough time to really go into what that interesting thing is and really exchange ideas and walk away with some insight. So it's it's a teaser, if you will. What's great is I have an opportunity. I have a network of CIOs. Uh, There's about 20 of us, for instance, in uh, Silicon Valley who get together on a regular basis uh, about six times a year and spend a day. And we spend a day talking, sharing, uh, going deep, if you will, on some topics, in the interim time, I can if I've got an issue I'm struggling with, or I can reach out to them. This is a fantastic group of incredibly busy, very co- accomplished people. And I tell you, um, when I send an email or anyone else sends an email, I, I, the vast majority of the group responds within about half an hour. So these are a set of folks really connected well to each other, committed to help create value with each other. And I think we all find this this function, this group incredibly rewarding in terms of growth uh, um, and and kind of vetting ideas uh, that are difficult to do in an organization where you may be you're the only senior IT leader. Now, what are your visions uh, for 2013 on how IT is going to transform and how you would like it to get transformed in order to even create more value? Yeah. Yeah. So, so in Clorox's history, we're a manufacturing company, uh, a, a very uh, effective and efficient and excellent manufacturing company, building brands, manufacturing product, and selling those products throughout the world. Um, and so IT has spent most of its time in the back office, um, improving supply chain uh, operations and supporting systems in that space in HR and finance and other places, a traditional back office functions. And there's nothing wrong with that. We've generated a lot of value there. We've done a lot to help improve efficiency, uh, improve margin and so on, and um, very proud of the work that we've done in that space. But I think the opportunity going forward for us is to is to really begin investing in a partnership, as I mentioned earlier, with sales and marketing, and understanding as the face of the consumer changes, the behavior of consumers in the marketplaces um, change to embrace and adopt uh, new technologies, new applications, new platforms, new behaviors. Um, IT really has a role to play as a partner with sales and marketing to understand how we can help unlock and enable you know, access to that new behavior and access to that new, in some cases, a kind of like a new digital channel. Um, 
So I'm really excited about the potential of a strong partnership. I've got a fantastic CMO here at Clorox. Uh, he and I work uh, very closely together. We've um, participated in creating a, a joint digital marketing strategy together. We've spent time supporting his uh, um, VP of digital marketing. Uh, she and I spend time every month uh, connecting and coordinating, and we're looking forward to spending even more time uh, in that space, kind of exploring and generating value together. Now, one is, of course, uh, what you do at the leadership level. Another is the very information that you manage and the analytics that has been uh, utilized. And in fact, last year, the whole of last year was uh, big data year, literally. There was a lot of hype around it. Some people say that they've gotten value. Other people are still scratching their heads. So 2013, do you think a CIO should carve out a portion where they go and try to unravel the mystery related to uh, this big data and how information-enabled analytics, enabled innovation could be really brought to reality? Uh, Absolutely. And so one of the challenges um, I think uh, we all have is not that we don't have um, enough data or enough reporting. In fact, in many cases, we're drowning in data. Um, uh, I like the term, lately, um, people are using this term digital exhaust, right? So what they mean by that is as people take, um, run through their, their day with a smartphone or a tablet or a PC, we're using different apps like, uh, you know, these uh, digital couponing apps and so on, um, they're leaving a digital trail of activity. And the challenge is, uh, you know, that digital trail uh, is creating, um, you know, digital exhaust is creating digital pollution in our in our enterprise infrastructure. So we have volumes of data that often go unanalyzed and unprocessed. So the real challenge for IT is, um, how do we more effectively use? So if if big data is the new thing, um, whatever the opposite of big data is, we've been actually calling it small data. Um, so so we have lots of small data. Um, let's first get better value from use some of the newer tools to do data discovery and pattern discovery and so on in, um, in, in the world, but create um, you know, better insight, better time to insight, better overall value from the small data we already own. So a lot of this big data hype, if you will, I think has some meaning, merit underneath. Let's take some of the tools and techniques and let's not spend a bunch of money and let's not build a bunch of platforms. Let's not go build kind of science projects in the clouds Instead, let's look at how do I make, find meaningful value from either data I already own or you know, new sources of social data and others that I can marry with the small data uh, using some of these new tools and new, new approaches uh, to create faster insight, better insight, uh, more, uh, more of a 360 view of, of insight and behavior. Now, would you say that the tools and techniques and approaches which have been presented in the last uh, 12 to 18 months are some which we never thought of or we did not have, or was there some other, were there other impediments which prevented us from uh, actually doing the same a year or so before and so that we could have looked at bigger and better things this year going forward? Um, you know, I think we're all on a slightly different journey. So for, for us, um, we had a lot of data. We'd spent a lot of time, um, just like a lot of folks went through ERP consolidation or server consolidation or data center consolidation, we had to go through data consolidation. So we had lots of different data warehouses spread throughout the business, and we spent the last uh, two years uh, 
consolidating and aggregating those data warehouses into a consolidated uh, environment. It happens to be sitting on one of these these BI um, uh, big data um, um, uh, you know accelerator boxes. So it's a you know hardware software solution, you know, integrated solution toward big data. Um, but we're using it essentially to solve our small data, data warehousing uh, and reporting problem first. But again, step one was let's go aggregate all the data sources. I think step two is um, a struggle for most businesses. It certainly is for us. And part of that, that step is you know, data cleansing, data quality, who owns master data, how do you master master data. And so we've done a lot of work organizationally internally on um, defining a kind of master data czar. Uh, she's taken over that role just in January, just uh, just this month, you know, fully and formally, although we've been kind of working in, in pieces over the last year, um, to really begin looking at how do I more efficiently manage master data collectively to ensure that doesn't become an impediment to creating value. Um, so there, there's a lot of cases where we've had to do our homework. And in some cases, it's not new technology. It's not, uh, you know, kind of flashy, um, um, trendy stuff. But it's the homework we needed to do. Um, you know, the analogy I like to use in big data is, you know, it's like that uh, that rock band or that uh, that actor that uh, was a quote-unquote overnight sensation. I think we've had a lot of overnight sensations you know, in, in the typical model is they spend 20 years laboring in, you know, small venues and working on their craft, and then one day they're discovered and, you know, they're, they're an overnight sensation. I think BI is the same deal. We've spent 20 years laying the foundation, building tools, building process, um, understanding how to represent and relate data in ways the business can ingest and, and manage, and now we've got a set of tools that allow us to accelerate that and do that more cleanly and more efficiently. But at the end of the day, um, it's, it's resting upon the shoulders of the last 20 years of work in, in BI and data management. Now, one is, the, the, of course, the value creation, et cetera. Other is to uh, line up and train and make your troops ready to go so that they make the most of every opportunity that presents itself. With that said, you as a leader or any CIO as a leader has to be managing and leading people and coaching them. What differently that would you do this year versus before the earlier years in order for them to really not only uh, be more motivated, but be more equipped and armed and with the right intent and mindset to do what they're supposed to do in coming years? Because it's not going to be about the same old, same old. At least it doesn't look like. So would yeah. you think that all, all the people that you have in your troops or in, in your, in your uh, direct control, which is your employees and the folks who report to you, as well as the business users who are also contributing significantly on how effective IT is, what are you going to do to both of those constituents? Yeah. So, so one is we spent a lot of time uh, building and embracing the, um, a, kind of, a kind of group or network of the de facto leaders in the business, right? So there are the people in the business who in each area are, the, are already the guys or girl or women that understand and execute really, really well. Um, they know the data inside and out. They've lived with it in many cases for a decade or more. Um, so they're the go-to people in each function or each area that people already know. So we've attempted to identify those people, connect with those people, and help have those people help us shape our portfolio, our approach, use them as a as a, uh, a kind of testing tool, a portfolio filtering tool um, to help us ensure we're making investments in the right place in terms of data and process. 
secondly, I think, um, you know, it's hard to get through an IT conversation without mentioning Steve Jobs somehow. Uh, we've already mentioned him once earlier. Uh, you know, one of the things I think Steve Jobs brought to bear at, at Apple in his second tenure there was this idea of user-centric design, of designing things in a way that are easy for people to interact with and consume, as opposed to the old model, which involved, you know, kind of registry settings and, you know, um, uh, drivers and other things that people had to manage that were a bit more complex. So one of the ways we're trying to, un- to, to do a better job in IT is take away much of that, um, that uh, boy, we've got to take the, the, train the user on how to effectively use the tools and the training is going to take, you know, weeks or months because the tool is complex. Well, gee, what can I do to change the tool so that, the, that, that I'm more effectively meeting the user where, they, where they're working and bringing information to the point of activity. And so I may not be able to get all the way there all the time, but if I go into it with this mindset that what I want to do is design a tool that's easy to understand and use as a first and foremost, um, then, I, then I can engage more users in a broader surface area more quickly and get the value more quickly. If, if I rely purely on quote-unquote data scientists in the business, as the people I interact with to, to drive reporting and, and analytics, uh, that I'm leaving out so many people that know so much about our business and consumer and customers um, from that from that dialogue. So I've got to find a way to make the technology approachable to all. Great. So let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And let's look at the workforce who you have trained to do a good job. Now, now one is to get them to do the job. Another is to manage them with based, based on what they want to do. Because you've got multi-generational workforce that we are all dealing with. And they have different aspirations. And they see technology and uh, they see business a little differently. And also they, for that matter, see you as an IT leader differently. How do you go about bringing or building a cohesive team in order for them to do the job which will yield the desired results? Please stay tuned. We'll be right back. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Take control of e-discovery with flexible, integrated solutions designed for early data assessment, processing, document review, and litigation presentation. LexisNexis offers comprehensive solutions that work together as well as with other industry-leading tools to help you maintain a seamless chain of custody throughout discovery. Most of these solutions can be offered in a hosted environment with access to fully customizable support resources dedicated to your success. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sun Joke All. All right. So we spoke about, of course, them, the, the work workers and the business users working together to create value. However, we also have a different 
set of generations of IT workers and also business users getting infused. Some you control because they report to you, others you influence. What is it being done on the people side and what help do you need and what resolutions you would like to make in 2013? So as people, not as IT, not as business users, they actually meet their full potential. And as a result, you get to make the most out of that uh, human resource investment. Well, so so one of our unique challenges here at, at Clorox is our location. It's both an advantage to us. Uh, we've been in the Bay Area and the East Bay for 100 years now, and uh, a key part of the community we serve and uh, are, are in many, in all ways, a, a you know historic Bay Area company. On the other hand, I've got a lot of uh, newer uh, you know, companies around us that compete with me for talent, and some of those companies are. You know, in the the emerging side of uh, you know social or e-commerce or consumer technologies uh, that have you know kind of a sexy value proposition to offer, um, and and among other things, they're a lot more flexible about you know, kind of the workspace you work in, the technology deployed to uh, to to meet needs and so on. So um, it's caused us to up our game. And so at Clorox, IT has been involved in the last 18 months uh, or more to work with real estate to develop a new workplace strategy. And we've realized that new strategy. I'm sitting in a building right now uh, on our new campus in uh, in Pleasanton in the East Bay. It houses about a 1,000 uh, employees. And um, in the IT building, for instance, there are no offices. There are no walls except for those of the conference rooms. And uh, everyone sits in an open seating-based model, everyone meaning myself, my VPs, uh, everyone, uh, and in fact, there are only four people in the building that have permanently assigned seats. Uh, uh, the rest of the people essentially show up each day and work either where they want to, uh, where their mood strikes them, or uh, if they're working on a project, for instance, they uh, they all you know, kind of meet together and work in a common area for the sake of efficiency of communication and so on. And uh, and so this idea of a uh, more open, more flowing, more campus-like feel, uh, and less of the traditional, you know, kind of manager sit at the window in an office with a door, and you know, kind of uh, your the size of your cube depends on your your tenure and status. All that's gone. Uh, we have enabled all that from an IT perspective with lots of different technology, voice over IP, uh, you know, kind of ultra ultralight. Uh, laptops, uh, we use, um, extensively use instant messaging, uh, uh, person-to-person video, uh, digital, you know, computer-to-computer voice, and uh, high-definition uh, telepresence video conferencing across the organization, all, all innovations that IT brought into the business in the last two years. Um, and so the place looks and feels and behaves a lot more like a kind of technology startup campus than a 100-year-old you know, uh, consumer manufacturing company, uh, and we're really proud of that. And that helps us attract and attain, um, you know, obtain really bright talent who's willing and interested in working in an environment like that, but is also interested in building, uh, helping to build brand, helping to build experience in an established business, um, and uh, and wants the value proposition a company like that can offer versus, you know, a kind of startup or something that's based more on a, you know. Um, an eventual IPO or something like that. 
Now, one is the people, uh, not exactly below you, who, but people who are part of your team. Another is a set of bosses or people who you see as part of the executive management. If you, if you suggest some resolutions to the people who report to you, what about the ones who you report to? What do you think they could do differently or make some resolutions and follow so that they can get more value out of the whole organization, as you see outside uh, from an outside-in perspective? Uh, well, certainly I, I'm blessed in that I've got a fantastic set of executive leadership uh, that are very progressive, um, that have a very uh, a balanced approach at looking at the business, uh, maintaining shareholder value through you know, balanced investments and, and strategies, but also um, you know, willing to take appropriate risks to drive growth and, uh, and value enhancement for the business and the investors. So, honestly, um, I've got no real complaints. Uh, if, if anything... Um, you know, it's interesting. You want the confidence of the people you you work for or work with. Um, uh, you know, every now and then somebody will say, you know, I have I have complete confidence in your ability to do this. And and my response is typically, you know, what I don't want is I don't want your confidence. I want your partnership, right? Because confidence kind of implies uh, I'm going to delegate it to you and you know let me know when you're done. Uh, and that's really not what what works or what I'm looking for. Uh, what works the best is you know, candid partnership where, you know, people are providing meaningful and difficult feedback at times when things aren't going well and are providing uh, the appropriate support and encouragement when things are. Um, you know, that's all I can hope for. And uh, and I'll say for the most part, uh, that's what I have from the uh, executive team that uh, that I work with every day. What are your top and best advice for the new and experienced IT leaders, whether step-up candidates or experienced CIOs, who want to make 2013 a very successful year? You've got to spend time, I think, in equal proportions or some balanced set of proportions, externally sensing, internally sensing, listening to the business, understanding their needs, and then connecting with the organization and what their hopes and fears are to help connect them to the to the former two, so it's a you know it's a, a balancing act. Uh, it seems like it always has been, but it's even more so these days. Uh, so my my core advice would be you know go listen, listen externally, listen to your business, listen to your people, and then uh, try to help uh, you know contribute in each of those discussions as well. On behalf of the show and our listeners, thank you so much, Ralph, for sharing your thoughts. I guess uh, what you've shared today would definitely form a great foundation for the IT leaders as well as the workers to benefit from and make 2013 really a stellar year. Well, thanks so much. I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. And uh, listeners, please like us on Facebook uh, and search for CIO Talk Radio. And also, please be sure to follow us on Twitter. Thank you again for listening to CIO Talk Radio. This is Sanjog All, your talk show host. Till next week, take care and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Join Sunjog All next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific for another hour of CIO Talk Radio. CIO Talk Radio is brought to you by Citrix, offering go-to assist, remote support made easy. CIO Talk Radio was brought to you by LexisNexis Litigation Solutions.